Hello, my friends, and welcome to the latest episode of Tea with Steve. In this one, I must confess, I've been a little bit selfish because I brought on a guest to help me, but he's going to help you too. He is a championship athlete who is grounded in helping entrepreneurs with their health and their fitness and their lifestyle. He's going to help you shift some pounds, going to give you some practical tips and stuff to implement. And then if you check out the show notes, he's got some workouts for you too. He's actually built a web page for all of my listeners. And since recording this podcast, I've implemented all of the advice. And guess what? I've been back in the gym. I've been boxing. I've been back lifting weights. And I've hit the cardio. My diet's that bit cleaner. It's not all hassle and fussy. And I've lost weight. You've got to get into this episode, reap the benefits, and enjoy. Welcome to the Tea with Steve podcast with me, your host, Stephen Thompson. This is the show dedicated to helping you find your heart brand, your purposeful and profitable personal brand. I believe that everyone has a heart brand. It's their authentic self to drive growth in themselves and those around them, which has a positive impact in our world. We are in a who era. The who is being unapologetically you, and that is your heart brand. So join me in impacting one billion lives. Now let's get into the show. Welcome everyone to the Tea with Steve podcast. Hi, I have a, a guest with me. It is Mr. Tom Blackman. Now, he's not going to need any introduction from myself, but I am going to ask him for people who don't know who Tom Blackman is to introduce himself. So how are you, Tom? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me on, mate. It's an absolute pleasure. And um, so, yeah, Tom, tell my audience a little bit about you who may not have heard of you before. Um, I'm surprised if they're not, though, especially if they're in the health and fitness industry. Oh, yeah. So um, I used to be uh, a bodybuilding um, competitor, um, stroke champion uh, many, many years ago. And from that, I progressed into uh, nutrition coaching. And ironically, now I I don't deal with any bodybuilders at all. Uh, All my nutrition coaching and habit coaching is based around um, mainly uh, business owners and um, uh, entrepreneurs, if if that's sort of a a cliche word to use, Um, people who who have busy lives and and, and can't manage their nutrition. Um, I'm a performance nutritionist by qualification, stroke trade. Um, but, uh, I, but actually I do very little in, in terms of performance nutrition. Now my, my main work is, I suppose, behavioral nutrition. And that is what I talk about a lot on my, uh, on my videos and on my podcast and, and a few other uh, places I'm, I'm active on social media. Um, I own a gym in Bristol, which is called Ministry of Fitness. It's nearly 10 years old um which is which is quite daunting for me i've never had a business for that long um and so i so the two go quite well together so i i, was, I still train i still lift but i'm not a, a bodybuilding uh, competitor anymore I, I just lift to keep fit and i coach people on nutrition um and this year i'll be releasing my first book which is called target lean um which is also the title of one of my programs that i run um I think that's it in a nutshell. Fantastic. Now, me being me, I'm going to have to go right back to the beginning. So I know you're not working with bodybuilders now. Um, back in the day, um, I would loosely call myself a bodybuilder. Um, I've done one show, but that was it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, people 
when we have conversations with people about you know fitness and this that and the other and, and I, at the moment i look like i would use the phrase a bag of spanners i'm mm-hmm. not in i don't look in great shape but i can hide it well under clothes <laughs> <laughs> of course it does a wonders for your physique absolutely um but i look back at my days as a bodybuilder um and i do you know what i was i was completely addicted so how have you you know from your bodybuilding days how have you come away from it with regards to sort of the coaching and clients and how have you kept so well in shape um well i originally got into um bodybuilding or, or, or weightlifting i suppose um because i used to do um jujitsu as a as a teenager so i did it from i think age 12 or 13 uh, mainly because because i'm only five foot four <clears throat> and i wasn't right. very big at the time um i used to get bullied a lot at school yeah so um my my parents actually paid for me to have these these classes so that i could um stand up for myself and gain some confidence um and then i suppose long way down the line i went to um these competitions uh, did quite well at the competitions and then when i moved to bristol i was um because i live in bristol now uh, and, my, and i grew up in worcester but then when yeah. i moved to bristol i i, I got into um, the bodybuilding community more and although I was doing uh, jiu-jitsu as well I I moved into the bodybuilding competition I, I really liked it and, and it, like you said it can get really into your, into your blood and it was in my blood for ages um, but I, I always did I always started off the the weight training to to, to look good that was always the, yeah. the thing and I know and I know obviously bodybuilding is about looking good um, but it's also about I suppose at the extreme end gate getting as big as possible um and while I, while I did try and get as big as possible while I was while I was competing when I when I finished competing that obviously there's um uh there's other there's things that go with bodybuilding at a high level um and you, you you're not a natural athlete five foot four 95 kilos so let's let's just put it that way wow. I couldn't maintain that level of um size and be um i suppose uh, confident that i wasn't doing my health um any uh, any any justice in the in the long term so so i i i went away from any of the um the extra supplements that was um that i was using at the time to be competitive yep and just wanted to maintain a decent physique mm-hmm. um so my i suppose the reason i've managed to keep it and because i obviously see a lot of guys who who compete and that they, they they sort of blow up and then once they stop competing they just get fat and um yeah. get out of shape um i i've always loved training and that's Sounds like me my... mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah sorry that's all right um, thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> sorry go so, on mate yeah so it was just um i've always liked lifting i've always liked being in shape and looking good so um for me the shift was away from having a competitive physique and more into um, just having a physique that looks good in a gym uh, on a beach that sort of thing um, and because I was I've been doing bodybuilding for so long I've built a lot of uh, a quality muscle which is yeah. which I've able to maintain and obviously I'm not as big as I used to be um, but on, on the other side I do feel a bit healthier now that I'm not doing things to the extreme that's necessary when you're a competitive athlete. So how long were you bodybuilding for? And I, I, I hope the listeners aren't going to get bored with the fact that I'm talking about bodybuilding because this is a bit of a, a guilty pleasure for me. Um, <laughs> and, but I think what where, where I'm going to take you with this, I think, is going to be massive of value for people because 
for me i actually now i now i'm not training and now i'm a bit chubby um i don't enjoy my food as much when i was competing i was really enjoying food and i know you're you know you do a lot with regards to not so much like you know getting in the gym and you know and and throw an iron about but you're very very i mean looking at your videos you're very um honest and very quite particular about the nutrition so just and i'm looking i'm now where i want to lead you into this is literally mm. we've got entrepreneurs that are listening to it we've got people who are building a personal brand and actually the external part of the personal brand as much as we've got had loads of people coming on as guests and doing the internal part of the personal brand the, the external is what people judge themselves on and what people are seeing and so when i'm saying how are you keeping in shape i'm really interested to know where where my listeners can then say okay do you know what i've, I've, I've listened to this podcast uh, and tom has given me some amazing information i'm going to go and implement that mm-hmm. so let's okay. talk a bit nutrition let's talk some exercise let's talk about how people can take some action from this okay yeah so um in, in terms of in terms of keeping in shape there a lot of people have this misconception that in order to maintain a decent physique they need to be doing the stuff that a lot of people on instagram do and the obviously i've been in the um health and fitness industry for 10 12 years it's a long time and my first show was when i was 21 i think or 20 so 19 years in the industry and there's a lot of misconception and a lot of um uh, pe- people who put on instagram and facebook and stuff their lifestyle but they don't have anything else to do and when you work with business owners, when you work with people who are, who are, who are very busy in life and, and only have small amounts of time to, to train and, and very limited options for eating in the day, they can they can get quite disheartened with the fact that they can't do all this 4 a.m. cardio or do an hour and a half workouts five days a week. Yep. Uh, or if they do, if they try and do that, they generally tend to overtrain or burn themselves out. So there's one end of the spectrum where people feel as though there's there's so much they have to do they just get disheartened and don't do it and then there's the other spectrum where they try and do all the stuff they think they should be doing and then overtrain and get ill and then end up jacking it in um and that's where i tend to um meet them is either the either the spectrums and so how i how i work with people say well let's let's see what what you can apportion into into the day and if you are a business person if you do have a diary you probably have um, meetings and set meetings that you put into your diary so what we one of the first things we we do is to say right well you've got to treat your training as a meeting and many people who they will consider training as a as a as a secondary thing to do so so i don't let the client come in this morning who's who's a very good salesman he's all around the country and he, he, he was saying, you know, I'll, I'll try and train this day, but then my meeting's over and everything else. And I says, well, why aren't you, why aren't you making a meeting for your training where, where, your, where your assistant cannot override that? And it's yep. just that is your meeting. You're going to that meeting. And after the meeting, you, so after the, the, the training, which is your training meeting, I suppose, you, you then apportion about half an hour afterwards for um, non-active tasks. So things that, that you know, you could do like... Um, it's like sending an invoice or, uh, you know, updating a spreadsheet or something, something that doesn't require a lot of re- really intense thought, like a meeting about a sale or something like that. So yep. you've got time to recover. So that's one of the first things that we that we, we, we work with is to get the training as important as uh, a meeting, because, again, it's about this thing where it, so many people put so much into their business 
and then they neglect the the personal side of that but if you think that through that's that's a really illogical uh, way of doing things because if you are not taking care of your body eventually it's going to break you're going to get ill going to get cold or flu or whatever and then you're going to be out of work or if you aren't training you aren't exercising you're more likely to get overweight you're more likely to suffer from brittle bone disease when you're older because you don't train with resistance weights all those sorts of things can lead up to bad things in the future and if you're taking care of your health and and your, and your fitness as well as the fitness of your business then both will complement each other and you'll have a nice trade between your business um, development and your personal physique development. Um, so that's the first thing is to make sure that training uh, is, is an appointment in your diary. And it's one that you can't break. So it's not one of these things that, oh, I, was, I, I could have a meeting there, but I've got training. Oh, I'll move my training. No, it's set mm. in stone. It's, 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 the, it's like the Monday morning meeting with your team. It's the most important thing you've got to do on that, that time of the day. And then... The, the second thing comes from a nutrition side of uh, side of things is, again, people have this idea that they have to eat, they have to prepare all their meals, they have to have loads of Tupperware because that's what all the experts <laughs> do on Instagram. Yeah, you, know, you like, should see my cupboards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I eat my food out of Tupperware because that's how I've done it for the, my whole life with, with bodybuilding. Yeah. But I'm certainly, I mean, I've got two businesses to run and a family. I don't have time to every single night prep up four or five fresh meals to then take to work the next day that's a, that's going to take an hour of my time a, a, a day to, to do all that and when i'm coming home at say five six o'clock i've got to put my son to bed at seven so i don't want to be prepping my food and missing out on that time that, that i've got with him to yeah. to um to, before i put him to bed and then obviously after seven o'clock you're probably too tired to do anything anyway um or after eight o'clock whatever and um, and then you're not going to prep your food, so it becomes like, oh well, I, I haven't got time, and now I'm too tired. Okay. So the other side of things is what I teach people to do is like, well, okay, there, there's there's a number of things you can do. First of all, you need to know how many calories you need in a day in order to either maintain or to uh, drop a little bit of body fat. And most of my clients want to drop a little bit of body fat, so we we set a calorie deficit, and uh, so we work that out with a calculator. And then that we have like a bulk of calories. And then we, we say, well, how many meals in the day do you want? So we split those uh, calories into in, into blocks. So let's say he wants three meals. So what we have, we split those calories into three blocks plus an extra block for your snacks. Because it's really important to have like a snacks choice in the day. Okay. And then so those three blocks, we would then say, right, okay, well, what meals, what foods do you like to eat? And then we allocate those foods into the meals and then make and then make it to the calories now obviously people are going to listen to this and say, well i'm on the road a lot but that's absolutely fine because if you know how many calories are in each of your meal blocks if you're if you're going on the motorway and you've got to turn into services to eat you can go into say a marks and spencers on the on the motorway or any of the meal um, places you can get on the motorway a lot of them now have packets with calories on yeah. so you can eat the food to your calories so you can still maintain a calorie deficit even if you're on the road a lot of hotels and, and sorry, a lot of restaurants have calorie values on their meals, so you can eat to the, the calories for that. So it, people tend to overconfuse things when really actually a bit of logical thought. You can get your training sessions in per week and you can eat to your calorie deficit if you're looking to lose body fat if you think it through and a bit more logical. But people tend to think the extreme, they've got to do all this stuff um, and it tends to put them off. Okay. 
So my question then, be having the, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, get rid of the bodybuilding brain, get rid of the bodybuilding brain. I'm thinking now, what about ratios to protein, fats, and carbs? Is that going to come into it, or or will the calorie count um, adjust that? If that makes sense. Yeah. So um, if your if your goal is fat loss for long term, yep. the main thing there is going to be calories. So that you can macros are important to some degree. However, if you're eating more calories than what you're expending in the day, there's just no way you're going to burn body fat in that yep. scenario because body fat is only burns if you're eating less than what you than what you're expending. So there's a there's a deficit of calories which have to be made up by the body burning fat. Now, yeah. no matter what any guru on the Internet or anybody says about eating more fat, you'll burn more body fat. None of that is relevant unless you're in a calorie deficit. So. The first priority is to get a calorie deficit, which there's loads of calculators online. I've got one on my website. There's you, all you do is put your details in, and it will say, like, put your so you need, so your age, your um, your sex, your height, um, what else? Uh, a few variables anyway. There's yeah, there's a few on the site. I can't remember them now. And then you put in your activity level, and it will give you a calorie amount that um, that you should eat to the date in order to in order to lose weight. Now, once you've got that amount. It depends on what your goals are as to if macros are going to become important. Yeah. So people always talk about or op, what's the optimum splits. If you're looking to build muscle, then you should be looking to have a, um, a an amount of protein in your diet, which is around about 1.8 to 2.5 grams per kilo of body weight. What that Let's put that into figures. Let's say I'm 100 kilos. I need at least 180 to 250 grams of protein a day in order okay. to build muscle okay so we want to be around about that weight and that's that's the same for men and women so so if you're looking to build muscle that's where you need to be if you're just looking to maintain and and, and lose a bit of body fat then 1.8 will be fine and that that's the level that's been studied and researched and is agreed on by many many researchers now in terms of carbs and fats really we can interchange that as much as possible as long as we're within our calorie deficit yeah yeah where you may want to consider splits either way is if you are a very active person you probably want more carbs in your diet than fats because carbs is what's going to be burned when you're doing explosive exercise say if you're in a gym you're always burning carbohydrates if you're lifting weights if you're doing hit stuff if you're doing anything that's over a jogging pace yeah that is going to be carbohydrates and this is, again, where a lot of people get confused. They, they talk about fat-burning exercises and burning fat in the gym. Whatever exercise you do, if it is in any way explosive, it's going to be carbohydrates as the main fuel source. Fats are only burnt at very low levels of intensity. So if you're and, – and this is where people get confused about what fat-burning exercises are. Yep. So <laughs> let, let me give you an example. If Go I'm sat it. on my sofa – that is the ultimate fat burning exercise because I'm sat down, I'm doing nothing. I'm literally just existing, maybe watching the TV. At that point, my intensity level is so low. There's no need for carbohydrates to be burned. So the body will predominantly burn fat as a fuel source to keep me alive. However, the amount of calories that I'm burning at that time is minimal. Yeah. So although I'm burning fat as a fuel source to keep me alive, it's a very, very small amount. Now, let's take the other end of the spectrum. I'll decide, well, I'm sat on my sofa, right, I'm going to do some exercise. I get up, I sprint out of the door, and I run as fast as I can for about 10 minutes. 
my body would change burning fat at that point to burning mainly carbohydrates. Okay. However, the amount of calories that I'm burning doing that sprint is huge compared to the sitting on the sofa. So although we're burning maybe carbohydrates there and it's not technically a fat burning exercise, what we've done, if we take into account all the calories that we burn and expend uh, over the course of the day, I've increased the calories out. So okay. if I kept my food exactly the same and had a day on the sofa or had a day running around doing loads of activity, I would be burning more cal- more calories than what, I'd, than what I'd taken in. So I would create more of a calorie deficit, which means long term, I'd be burning more body fat because body fat is only burned as a result of a calorie deficit over the course of the whole day. See, before you started that, I was getting all excited thinking, I actually can watch Netflix for four hours. (laughs) (laughs) You can watch Netflix and burn fat, but it's going to be a small amount. Absolutely. So for all the guys that are listening out there and they've got hectic lives and they're like, you know what? I'm working on the internal stuff because the last few episodes of the podcast, we've had we've talked about mindset and things like that. And then they're Mm. talking about stuff in their business. What what advice are you going to be giving to people who, you know what? the suit's getting a bit tight now i mean i've got i I love to wear i'm a bit i have a bit of a hipster look on me and Mm. it's very much i like to wear my jeans my waistcoats and my jackets the waistcoats are getting a bit tight Mm. around the waist and not around the arms you know or shirts around the arms so what's your advice okay use me as an example i always say to people i wouldn't ask them to do anything that i wouldn't do so i'm sat here now i'm 15 stone four i know i've put the weight back on around my waist um i've lost my size off shoulders back you know even my legs have got skinny even my skinny jeans have gone mm. baggy <laughs> oh dear so and I, and I consume i think last time i worked i mean so last august i was consuming approximately um 2000 to 2200 calories a day so uh, and i was trying to my deficit was about i think at the time i had it worked out around 18 to 1900 a day so what would your advice be to this guy who needs to get his health in check who is, you know, I'm not unhealthy, but I'm certainly not the healthiest guy you're going to meet. What's the advice to someone like me? Because my listeners are pretty much like me. They're guys who are, you know, 35 to 45, 50 years old. They need to get back in shape and they need to be healthy to run their business. Mm. OK, so the, so there's a number of things that we need to look at. First of all, is um, I, I'm a big proponent of, of weight training, resistance training. There's so many benefits to it which if your listeners are you know are like you they probably do know that weight training is good for them i would always look to be maximizing what we can do in the gym especially if you've got limited time so what i generally tend to do with new new clients is to give them a full body workout a uh, yeah. full body program the reason for that is that you can do a full body workout and hit every single body part within within a workout within about 45 minutes to 50 minutes um, that's if you include like arms and calves. If you're just looking at the main body parts, it's probably about half an hour to 40 minutes. Okay. So what we can do there, we can hit all the muscles and we can take it to failure. No, it's really important that we take a, a muscle to failure because that's when it grows. The, yeah. You can do a million bicep curls, and if you don't, if you don't fail on on the exercise, it won't. The muscle won't grow. Just either stay the same it is, or or, or maybe shrink a little bit because you're not stimulating it enough. Okay. So we're always looking to maximize um, the, the weight training we can do in the gym. So a full body workout will do that. If we can go to failure on the exercises, that's all good. And we can make sure the whole body gets a failure stimulus so that it starts to grow muscle. That in itself will increase your metabolism ever so slightly. 
in terms of the body has to recover and build muscle. So we're burning a few more calories outside the gym than we are inside. Um, but don't get your hopes up whoever's listening to this because you're not <laughs> going to be burning epic amount of calories after you work out. It's just a, it's just a small amount. But if we do it consistently, we're yep. consistently raising the, the calorie output of the day. So if we can if we can do that two or three times a week, we're taking the body to failure two or three times a week. That is what's been shown as optimal. And there's a few research studies to show where uh, full body training twice a week was uh, was uh, optimal is a, a bit of a throw around word in the, in, in the research in, uh, research uh, <laughs> environment. But um, it is good for muscle gain. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, so for limited time, that's what I'd recommend for training. In terms of food wise, many of my clients are busy people so when we're looking at what what we can do for food the major misconception a lot of people have is they've got to eat breakfast you know it's breakfast for champions that sort of thing yep you know got to have my breakfast to start the day to stoke the metabolism to to enhance the metabolism all, all that's rubbish you know there the, there is no benefit to eating breakfast over not eating breakfast providing and this is important providing that you eat calories in the same amount over the course of the day Okay. So when we translate that to people who are entrepreneurs, business people, long shifts, many of them get up early. They don't want to eat in the morning. They're not hungry. So a lot of them will just skip breakfast, have a coffee or something like that, just to sort of wake them up. And then their first meal will be sort of lunchtime. What that means is we can put more food into our lunchtime and then they have a little snack, say, about a couple of hours later and then they have a big evening meal. Okay. We can put more food into those meals rather than splitting it over three meals of the day does that make sense yeah no i get it right yeah. so and it's it's the, the the sort of the the buzzword is is intermittent fasting but yeah you know i still allow for snacks during the day so it's not strictly an intermittent fasting but the idea is is that a, a lot of the guys i work with will be so busy that they'll prefer to have a big lunch and a big evening meal so they can sit down and actually enjoy their food one of the main reasons why people fail diets is because they, they've got this idea that they have to eat little and often. So, you know, they think about our oh, six small meals to stoke the metabolism during the day. Yes, yeah, what I it, lived again, by for about 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I was in that with when I was bodybuilding, it was always small meals and everything else. But actually, that's been researched as well. And if you had three meals, which were, um, let's say that the three meals are like 600 calories each, if you had three meals of 600 calories, or you had six meals of 300 calories, the actual metabolic boost that you would get from eating those meals is exactly the same. So there's no benefit at all in terms of stoking the metabolism from having small meals over big meals. Now, here the reason why I, a lot of my clients prefer big meals and I prefer big meals okay. is because if, if you are dieting or if you are trying to lose weight, it's a lot easier to hold out for a big feed that you know you're going to get, which is going to be satisfying and it's going to be a big meal right. than it is to hold out between small meals for another small meal that maybe not might satisfy your hunger. Now, if you think this through logically, you know, when you go out for a big meal at a restaurant, you, you when you eat a huge meal, if you're nicely satisfied afterwards and you can go three to four hours afterwards without eating. Yeah. Whereas if you go and have like a salad, you feel as if you've been cheated a bit on your on your food, though, haven't you? You've gone out That's for exactly meal. the word I was thinking. Yeah. If I went out, to, I mean, we went out to my sister-in-law's birthday a couple of weeks ago, and um, and I said, you know, I'm, I want to try and, you know, my aim is to get myself back in the gym, um, and you know, I need to start looking at my diet and that. And Catherine said, so what are you going to do? Eat a salad? And I went, the word salad just honestly, <laughs> it did my, my head in. And I, what I did was, I I skipped lunch so I could eat big in the evening. 
exactly so so it's a form of intermittent fasting well, uh, i call it also calorie banking so with, okay. with my clients if we if we know that say for example a lot of the guys will take clients out for lunch so a lot of my clients will take their clients out for lunch if they're salespeople or whatever yeah now there's a real bottleneck in terms of calories especially if you're if you're having two or three appointments in in the week or and you know you've got to go and go out and have a meal with the, with these clients you know you've got to probably something sizable maybe have a beer with them or something like that and if you don't save some of your calories up for the day that can result in a massive amount of calories that you've overeaten mm, yeah so so what you've got to remember is that it's not what you eat in one day that determines if you gain or lose body fat for the long term it's yep. the average of what you've eaten over seven days over 28 days that that is actually contributing to body fat so and let's let's put this into sort of real terms if you if you're going to gain a kilo of body fat, you've got to eat around about eight thousand calories or just below eight thousand calories over your maintenance calories for the day to gain a kilo of body fat. So, the, for say for someone like you or someone like me, that'd be like a ten thousand calories in a day binge feast. I think I might have done that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of us have done it at some point in our life, but but consider doing that day in day out it'd be quite difficult to do that so my waist looks like i've done it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so and obviously you've got your activity levels and everything else so it's got to be a surplus you've got to have like an a seven ish thousand calories eight eight thousand calories surplus in in the day after you've taken off all the activity in order to gain one kilo of body fat in a day so when people look on the scales after they've had a big meal the next day and they they see like oh i've gained a kilo it's not fat it, it it won't be it won't be that amount of it'd be water it'd be some uh, glycogen which is a store carbohydrate in muscle there'd be a small amount of fat there but, but most of it would be the but the food that's still in your system yeah because they've not been the loo yet <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so and it can take around about 40 to 50 hours from food from going in your mouth to actually exiting the other end so you you might also have a ton of food in you which which is still a, not digested properly yeah. which is which is contributing to that weight so when we think about that, it doesn't matter really what we eat over the course of one day. So having one meal, which is slightly over one day, won't matter if the next day you, you, you're in a calorie deficit and the day after you're in a calorie deficit. Yeah. So we, we, can, we can use that technique to say, well, okay, let's, uh, there's, a, there's a diet technique called the 5-2, which a lot of my guys use. And they will do in the Monday to Friday when they're in a routine, when they're really busy, they will do they will eat less calories because they're so busy that they'd actually um, don't really have time to sit down and eat um, a lot of food or whatever they'll, they'll eat their big lunch and their big tea but then in the middle of the day it'd be like snacks or something yeah so they will save some of the calories that they should have eaten on that day to hit their calorie deficit and put it towards the weekend so if okay. we put that into figures say for example someone has to if 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 their maintenance calories is three thousand, so they decide they're going to eat two and a half thousand, so that's a five hundred calorie deficit per day. Yeah. But what they actually eat Monday to Friday is two thousand calories. Well, what they've then got is they've got then got a, a thousand calorie per day Monday to Friday deficit. So when they get to wow. the weekend, they've got five thousand calories built up that they can still eat on the weekend and not gain any fat overall because they they would still have eaten to their maintenance so that obviously that they try you know the, the idea is not to eat five thousand calories extra on the weekend yeah but if you get but if you get to the weekend if you save that thousand calories deficit by the time you get to saturday sunday 
Well, you've still got your allocated two and a half thousand, which would still be in you know five hundred calorie deficit. So we can put like a thousand, a thousand five hundred onto both Saturday and Sunday, make both days sizable days with four thousand calories, and we would still have whatever that is two thousand calorie calories deficit. Left. Yeah, yeah, you, you so, still have two thousand. Yeah, it's chunks. So, yeah. so okay. See, I'm just thinking right. I'm going to get onto your calculator in a minute and sort myself out. Uh, <laughs> But there is a pain that is niggling in my neck and I'm just like, I've got to ask the question because we've not mentioned it. Um, and it's the big bugbear of my life. But however, for 12 weeks last summer, I managed to keep it up. Cardio. Mm. It's like a swear word in my house. You know, so, <laughs> so what's your advice there? And and, and then I suppose going back to the, the calorie deficit we've, we've just gained by, you know, by banking calories, mm. isn't it better not to? binge at the weekend or does that throw like a counterbalance out the following week okay so okay so if if you're looking to maximize your fat loss levels then yeah ideally yeah you don't want to put any more you want to restrict as much as possible and um and and obviously do as much exercise as possible create the biggest calorie deficit you can and that will provide obviously a fat burning element and you you will you will burn fat for, for that week however that's all very well nice on paper but that is not how life works. Mm. You know, life, if you are an entrepreneur, if you're a business person, if you have a family, you it, it's not, everything is not a nice routine every single day. You know, kids get sick. Kids are late home from school. You have to go to football practice. Uh, your meetings overrun. Your client turns up late. All these things conspire against you to throw off your routine. So it's very, it's very likely that you're going to need some extra calories to, to fall back on if life throws you a curveball so and and this is where people a lot of people again fall down is that it's the all or nothing approach it's black and white thinking well i've got to be 100 percent on my diet and as soon as something goes wrong now let's bear in mind if someone's built up a calorie deficit of like two, you know a thousand a day for let's say two weeks so they've got this fourteen thousand calorie yeah. deficit and then and then one day they come home late there's no food in the fridge or whatever so they get a takeaway which is, let's say, a takeaway is like 2,000 calories. That's yeah. a big takeaway. That's a massive Domino's plus some ice cream. It, it, if they have that and they think, oh, I've messed up my diet and, oh, what's the point now? And obviously they get on the scales the next day and they're two kilos heavy and it's, oh, just everything's all been undone because of that one meal. But it's not. It's just, yeah. again, all those things we've already talked about. So it's not. It, in terms of life, we've got to have times where we've got downtime meals it's got to have meals which like takeout meals you've got to have meals which are a bit for want of a better word naughty you know yeah, i love you, a bit of msg in my chinese yeah exactly <laughs> get, it, you know, get it in so but those sorts of things you know it, it, that's part of life we want to enjoy ourselves we, we want to have nice food every now and again we want to be able to treat ourselves so trying to stick to a diet 100 percent of the time is, is is not going to work your, your brain is just not set up for that it needs downtime same as if you worked every single day for two to three weeks without a break you would need a break from work yeah it's exactly the same as a, as a diet you know pe- people who work all their life and never have a holiday burnout if you diet all the time and never have a diet break or or, or a day off or whatever you will burn out and eventually you just go back to what you eat before and just binge and, and, and gain all the weight back um, so in terms of cardio, I use yeah, cardio as a... Give me this ca- one, Tom. <laughs> <Sorry>? <laughs> give me the, go on, give me the killer blow, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so in terms of cardio i it's you know from a health perspective it's important to do cardiovascular work although weight training is also cardiovascular work it's, it's important to do some cardiovascular work to get your heart rate up so that your heart is healthy so I do encourage cardio in my clients to a point that they're doing something to get their heart rate up and and just you know expend a bit more um, energy in the gym. Generally, how I use it though is is a sort of like a buffer. So although eating a Snickers bar cannot be burnt off by doing 290 calories of cardio, it does provide extra activity in your day. So you're you're increasing your output level of your calorie balance so you're increasing the potentially increasing the calorie deficit okay so so it's, it's something that i think is good from a health perspective to do certainly when i do my cardio i'm just looking at 10 15 minutes a day on a cross trainer and i'm looking to burn about 100 150 calories per day that's more for my movement accountability so that i'm stamping my card every single day and getting some movement in every single day yeah it's building a habit towards a leaner lifestyle and this is this is how i work with clients is pe- people will, will have these routines that they do and those routines will be geared towards a certain lifestyle now if so for example if you always take the the, the lift or the elevator if you've got any americans on, on your <laughs> yes. listeners um, if you always take the lift uh, over the stairs if you always park your car as close to the supermarket door as you possibly can if you always um eat the full uh, or drink a can of full fat coke rather than um, a diet one what that is that's votes you're casting votes for a lifestyle of someone who is overweight because that is a a lifestyle of someone who is lazy who is sedentary and someone who uh, wants the um uh the 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 easy the easy things in life if you are instead always going to take the stairs obviously if you go up the eiffel tower you probably want to take the lift but if you if you always (laughs) take the stairs uh, over over the lift if you park your car the furthest away from uh, the entrance to the shops as you can if you always make a, an attempt to have a say a, a low sugar or, or a zero uh, sugar coke those are actions those are votes for a leaner lifestyle and although on the face of it people go oh you know it's only you know only a couple of steps what's that's going to do it's what you're doing is you're is you're saying to yourself this is the actions of a leaner person I am behaving like a leaner person would behave. Now, what that does, when you start casting votes for that, <clears throat> subconsciously, you're then thinking, I want to be a leaner person. I want to have a better body. So from that, you start getting more motivated to go to the gym. From that, whenever you go out for a meal, you're looking for a leaner option. So instead of a, a, a huge four cheese pizza, you might choose a steak and chips. You know, so things that are lower calorie and a bit leaner and going to promote protein, you know, and, and muscle growth, that sort of thing. You, these things may seem like small things, but they grow into into these big behavioral changes, which then you'll find yourself doing stuff. Oh, I was at work. I sat down for five minutes. Um, I wanted to have a think about something. So I walk around the office thinking about it rather than I sat at my desk thinking about it. Yeah. But you, you start doing them subconsciously, you start making these decisions subconsciously. And all those things add up to this bigger picture of that's a person, that's how a leaner lifestyle person behaves rather than a, um, a person who's overweight. So in summary, then, that what I'm taking from this is that if I've got people listening to the podcast and they're saying, right, okay, Stephen, we're going to make ourselves accountable, we're going to do something, that what I'm sat here thinking right now is that the first thing I can do is I can get onto your website and check out your calorie counter and see what I need. Mm. 
then what what would you suggest is an optimum level of a calorie deficit is it a certain amount of calories or is it a percentage yeah so um on, on the calculator on my site it's um it sets it automatically at 500 calories okay 500 calories generally is is a, is a decent amount it's it's an amount that the body will accept uh, not it's not too severe um obviously you've got to you know state here that if you're if you're a very petite lady a 500 calorie deficit might be coming up to a third of your calories yeah. so for the day so you might want to just adjust that slightly but um for, for most people 500 calories would be achievable um to, to drop out in a day that's really um, interesting it, that is yeah and the other thing is if you, if you think it, if you work through the maths remember we talked about um it's around it's the actual figure is 7700 that's the accepted figure of of calorie deficit you need to have to drop a kilo of body fat but also um surplus to gain a kilo of body fat so if you did 500 calories deficit for seven days, that's three and a half thousand. So that's about half a kilo a week of weight drops. It's a pound a week weight drop. Yep. Now that's that's a manageable total. The body will be fine to drop that sort of level of body fat because it's it's not severe. It's not out of its comfort zone. It can cope with that level of restriction generally quite easily. Um, yep. The other thing you'll find is that when you start, when you actually do calculate your calories and you actually start eating to them, you'll find that actually you you're you are eating a ton more than what you thought you were. Um, so the first week or so when you're doing your diet might be the most difficult one because okay people people generally tend to forget stuff they've eaten. Um, even when I do diet recalls with with clients, uh, which is one of the reasons why I don't do them anymore. Uh, you'll say to people, oh, can you just log what you've eaten for three days and I can have a look at what your diet is? And despite the fact that they're sat there eating a flapjack while filling in their, their diet recall sheet, they will <laughs> not remember they've eaten a flapjack. Because, because if it's if it's part of your subconscious habit, so it's things you do automatically, you won't register yep. it. Right. Okay. Um, and I, I've, I've done it myself when I've been trying to recall my diet for, for before I set myself up for like a, a diet that I do. I, I'll, I'll have to think really hard and and then again, I'll just forget a flapjack that I've eaten, which is like 400 calories. Right. So so diet recall really doesn't work. And this is why when you talk to people and they go, oh, you know, I don't know why I'm overweight because I just I just don't eat very much. And you're like, I love that line. Yeah. Okay, mate. <laughs> you don't eat very much. Yeah. Um. I mean, people just generally forget the little things. So things like biscuits and oh, sauces. Oh, fiend I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hobnobs for me if i sit down and have a hobnob that's the whole packet is gone you know in, yeah. in two seconds Maryland um, and, and, my house. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just, sometimes it's just best to you know not have those foods in the house because you just get yeah. hoovered up yeah. without um but yeah it, it, i think the um the, the key thing here is once you start tracking things you generally tend to realize where you've been going wrong okay. and and although tracking for a lot of people is oh it's it's ocd type behavior and that, you know, people will say oh you shouldn't be doing that you should be living a free life and intuitive eating and honestly i've met people who've done intuitive eating and they're all fat they're, <laughs> they're, oh I, I just i just eat what my body wants to eat really no it's what your mouth wants to eat your head yeah wants to eat. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and the problem with intuitive eating is that people who do intuitive eating uh, now let me get this let me just phrase this a little bit better if you have like i have worked in nutrition for years and years and years a good grasp of what portion sizes are know what your calories are for the day to lose weight and if you know all that stuff and you know what the calories in me in certain foods to a certain extent are 
you can do intuitive eating. Because I know if I eat a flapjack, that's about 400 calories. Yeah. I know if I eat my chicken and rice meal, that's about that many calories. An apple is 140 calories. I know all these things, so I've worked with them for years. Of course. So I can intuitively eat and say, oh, do you know, I quite fancy this. Okay, I'll have that, and then I won't have something else later on, so I don't overeat. Yep. Most people can't do that. They're, 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 they will fall victim to something called hedonic eating. And hedonic eating is you walk into a room, oh, cookies, and, you, and that's it. You just, you just want a cookie. You weren't hungry before you got in the room, but as soon as you see a cookie, oh, cookie, and you're just on it. That's me, that is. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, when you walk into a, um, an office and there's yeah. a bowl of apples there, you know, it's like, you know, it's no, no problem. No, you can never, eat an apple, I've, but... never, I've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> you walk into a cookie my office, be there, like, but not, oh, not an apple. It's like, oh, um, look, chocolate biscuits, chocolate fingers. Yeah. And, like lethal and, in my Oh, yeah. Oh, and a lot of businesses, um, one of my clients has, um, uh, he works in this big office, and they've got something called a diabetes table. And and even the name, they know it's a bad thing to have, but they still have it there. It's just loaded up with donuts and, you know, cakes and biscuits and all that sort of stuff. And they they all just eat from it all day. And 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 obviously, he's working with me, so he's now not eating from that table. But... He sent me a picture of it once. He said, this is what I could contend with every day. It's loaded up with, with donuts. I remember the, when, yeah. uh, we, when I was working in office work, you know, when I was employed before, you know, it's actually before, even, I remember when, before I was in the police. And actually, to be fair, we even had it in the police, mm. uh, in all the substations. We, we, we used to get excited when the Cadbury's man came around because they, <laughs> they used to have these little boxes. It was about, you know, half the size of a small desk. <laughs> and um, and it was full of chocolate, Cadbury's chocolate, and you just put your pound in, and everything was a pound. Oh, you know? great! And it was like quid out, quid, and it was like brilliant because it was, it, and it was just convenience. You know, and I'm Fredo for a quid now. It's ridiculous. It's, it is ridiculous. And I used to, when I was in the police, I had my utility belt on and my pouch on the left hand side. I had this like kit pouch, and you thought it was full of like your, you know, your, your tickets and that you give motorists no mine was full of bars of chocolate because i never knew when i was going to get my next meal break <laughs> emergency chocolate yep and the amount of times i get i'd, I'd say yeah i got caught in a lift <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so so yeah there's so many um there's so many ways you can get taken off your diet and and you 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 should always at the beginning of every if you if you do start a diet if you want it to be effective all the clients who come to work with me, I say, look, you know, whatever your feelings on tracking stuff, if you want this to work, we do have to track things at the beginning, yeah, at least until you know what portion sizes are right for you. You are aware of what calories are in food. And and part of my thing that I do with them, I've got this online thing that they can, they can watch videos and stuff on um, tutorials on this sort of thing. But once they know all that, the idea is I don't want to be, I don't want clients to be leaving me and all they do is they're on the phone all the day tracking their stuff on my fitness pal because for me that's that i've not 100 percent accomplished my task there yeah they need to be able to be self-sufficient so they can make decisions without looking at their phone as to how many calories are in something yeah but in order to get to that level you have to have done that sort of tracking for for a while um you know it, it's it's um there, there's certain people obviously really like tracking every single thing on my fitness plan i get i do get that but it, it can become a sort of prison where you're then trying to find something for 34 calories to fit your day and you know it's that that's that's unhealthy behavior it is is and I, I and i get that that's where i was last year and that's when i contacted you said i think i've got the wrong coach 
<laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know, can we have a conversation? And then I pulled my back and then I got ill and then it's all gone a bit to, to rat yeah. what's he. Yeah. So this, just going back to the summary for me, because I really want to get as much value in for the guys that are listening. So mm. we need to be, first we need to go to your website and check out this calorie counter. And then we need to see, sort of put, put real honest information in there and mm. get the calorie deficit. And then we need to be looking at something along the lines of a full body workout over two or three days or doing it two to three days a week mm. and then add in what you've said is, you know, you were talking about a, a minimum amount of cardio, sort of 50, 10 to 15 minutes as a, as, as sort of like your daily movement routine. Yeah. Is that, does that sound about right as a, for a normal, you know, uh, in, for me. So if I started, if I got back into the gym and did three days a week, say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I, and I put them in as meetings and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do a full body workout. I'm then going to, get to the calculator i'm going to check out my uh, what my calorie deficit out and for argument's sake let's say it is 500 calories that i need to be reducing and if i add say 10 to 15 minutes a day's worth of cardio i'm on the i'm going to be starting to get on the right track yeah because going back to what i said about the votes that all those are votes for votes for a leaner lifestyle and what you find is that because those those three things are are quite simple to implement. So the yep. the full body workout you can there's loads of full body workouts you can find online. You know, there's, there, even if you go to my Instagram, I've got loads of workout videos on there for free that you can look at. Brilliant. Um, and uh, the the calorie calculator that's free, so that you can do that in two minutes. Brilliant. And the um, and the cardio obviously that's just 15 minutes per day. It doesn't have to be in a gym. It can be 15 minutes of um, walking the dog at a brisk pace. It can be. Yep. A bike ride it can be a walk up to the shops so you know as long as you're not buying to donuts. get your bar of chocolate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah all these things because um i i have my clients what's called cardio accountability yeah so they all post in this in the little private group we got and and it's stuff they're doing to keep themselves movement accountable for the day so it's that thing if you stamp your card every single day doing this little thing those little things grow into big things um so once you've done your full body workout twice a week you know what your calories are so you try and roughly eat to your calorie deficit each day and then you're doing your movement accountability each day those are three positive votes once you start making those votes you'll then start taking the stairs instead of the lift you'll start parking further away from the uh, supermarket shelves when you walk around the supermarket you'll go up and down every uh, every aisle with a trolley to get your steps up you know all these things will start to start to develop and after a while and i get clients to keep what's called a vote sheet so they have like on the left hand side votes for leaner lifestyle and on the right hand side they have um votes for my previous lifestyle now it's not a right or wrong situation but uh, votes for the leaner lifestyle are things like it doesn't have to be i didn't drink beer today it can be i had two beers instead of three beers today so that's a vote for positive because you're doing something positive towards reducing your calories one of my guys uh, I saw today in a, in a consultation, he went out for his birthday and instead of drinking pints of lager, he drank bottles of lager. So he, he reduced the amount of calories he's eating by half okay. or by half, but he still enjoyed the social environment. So there's all these things you can do to positively enhance your leaner lifestyle. It doesn't have to be I ate salad today. I did three hours cardio and I only ate chicken. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would die doing that yeah so it, 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 it's it's things you can do to your life to adjust it and on the right hand side when they've got um votes for my previous lifestyle those aren't bad things because like i said before we all fall off the wagon 
So say, for example, the guy puts in, oh, I, um, I sat down at a whole tub of hobnobs. Okay, well, why did that happen? Because I sat down with the hobnobs in my lap on the TV when I was watching TV. Yeah. Right, so what we'll do, we'll do something called break cues, where you go into the kitchen, you pour two or three hobnobs or crisps or whatever into a bowl, put the bowl, put the hobnobs back in the cupboard, walk back to the, so- the sofa, sit down, you eat the three hobnobs. By the time you've eaten the three hobnobs, Although, yeah, you've eaten three hobnobs, what you've done is you've satisfied your brain of having the chewy chocolatey biscuit. Then you've reached a, a, what's called a break queue where, where consciously you have to decide if you want to get up, get some more biscuits and come back and sit down again. If you're watching the TV and you're chilled out, you're probably not going to make that decision. Most likely going to say, yeah, do you know what? I've had my biscuits. I feel fine now. I've satisfied that. Put the bowl down, watch the rest of the TV. And that is, a, that is a highly effective technique that anybody can use to reduce their snacking in front of the TV. It's one of the, one of the best used techniques that my clients use to stop themselves snacking loads in front of the TV is just the break cues thing. Um, but yeah, the, the, the votes for, the, posit- for the, uh, the, the previous lifestyle, you look at how you can adjust those to make those positive votes. And then you work from that and eventually you don't have any votes for previous lifestyle. It's all votes for your positive lifestyle. I can absolutely support and recommend the break cues because that's exactly what I do. I'm a bit of a chocolate fiend. Um, I got this thing in dark chocolate. I think, well, dark chocolate's not as, you know, it hasn't got as many calories as milk chocolate yeah. and, and all of that stuff. And I've got a thing for Galaxy um, Galaxy Dark Hazelnut. And I love biscuits. But what mm-hmm. I started doing was, okay, I'm going to have them. My willpower is not in a place where I'm not going to have any right now. Um, so I've, you know, I've reduced sugar out of my tea and things like that. Um, but I do love a biscuit and I love a bit of chocolate at night, especially if I'm doing some work late at night. So, but I will put it in a bowl. I will have, and the bowl is the smallest bowl we can find in the house. Sometimes I've even been mm. prone to use an egg cup at one point when I thought it was getting too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put, a, yeah, I put, I'd have a few, a, just a couple of treats in there and take that with me. And then I, I was right. I wouldn't go back to the fridge for more chocolate or I wouldn't go back to the cupboard for a biscuit. The, the pain is the fact that everyone knows I love chocolate. So if, if someone's buying, getting me a treat or something, I've got seven bars of chocolate in the bloody fridge. Uh. <laughs> but they're lasting me a long time because I, I actually do do this break you because I know I haven't got the, 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 you know, my mindset isn't in the place yet because maybe I'm not, you know, when I start training, you know, I've, I'm, I'm at the end of this podcast, I'm making myself accountable. I'm going to say, right, I'm going to take Tom's advice and this is what I'm going to do. Um, and then you can punch me in the face if I don't do it. Just, um, <laughs> A quickie on like you know the chocolate bars thing. Yeah. The one of the, one of the other things I teach people to do is like increase friction. So you're looking to increase friction to to bad habits. I don't really like to use bad or good, but people understand what bad habits mean. Of course. So you want to increase friction to bad habits. So if you've got seven bars of chocolate and people keep buying you chocolate, put the chocolate in the freezer. So the one you have one bar that you're currently eating and the others go in the freezer because then you've got to take the chocolate out, defrost it before you can eat it. Love that. So you cannot get a uh, you cannot you cannot binge on all the chocolate you've got in the house because it's in the free it's in the freezer. Love it. I love it. I'd never thought about that before. But you know what? I'm going to do it and I'm going to record it on social and tag <laughs> you in so you can see that I'm going to do it. Yeah, Tom made me go crazy, and now I'm now I'm freezing my chocolate. Yeah, yeah. and then you'll see you'll see me with icicles off my nose because I'm I'm in the freezer. <laughs> in the freezer with the chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, you mentioned about steps a minute ago, and I found it really interesting because there's a lot of hype around steps and getting and you know and calorie counters. And mm. my other half literally goes to bed with her Fitbit on. Um, 
what's your theory on steps? Because obviously we want to keep movement. Sedentary is not a good place for us to be. What's what's your thought on this hype around getting your steps in? Well, so so steps is um, uh, is a way of measuring by proxy um, something called NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, what that basically means is any exercise or any movement that you do outside of the gym. So you have um, so so the, the calories that you burn in the day are comprised of your uh, BMR or your RMR, which is your resting metabolic rate. That's you sat on the sofa doing nothing all day, so existing. Then you have something called TEF, which is thermic effective food. So that's the calories you expend get, uh, digesting your food. So it's around about 10%. So if you have a 200 calorie meal, you'll expend 20 calories burning it, digesting it. Those two, you can't really vary because unless you cut an arm off or cut your liver out or something, you're not going to affect your resting metabolic rate. That's your existing level. Same with the TEF. It's, you know, even if you reduce your food slightly, it's only going to reduce ever, ever so much. And there's the two other things that you can adjust is NEAT and EAT. So EAT is exercise activity thermogenesis. That's the stuff in the gym uh, or exercising, say, doing for a run, that sort of thing. Um, and then you've got non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Now, steps, as in your movement during the day, is generally going to be your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So what we do is we measure steps we can measure if you are more or less active during the day. So yep. we can take a guess on um, essentially what our NEAT level is for the day. Now, why that's important is because you're only in the gym for, say, what, an hour? Or if you're an internet guru, four hours a, a, a day. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and you might be doing some cardio as well. But essentially, being in the gym is the minority of your day. The, the majority of your day will be in NEAT. It'll be in movement around... Uh, around the rest of the day so if we if we can maximize our steps maximize our neat levels we're actually going to be going for the bigger win in terms of uh, in terms of getting calories burnt in the day um, so if we measure our steps and generally we want to aim for about 10,000 steps a day uh, as a sort of a healthy level to be at however yeah. I, I can say that my steps hardly ever get to 10,000 most most of my uh, day is spent uh, on laptops or consulting with clients or uh, making Instagram videos and, you know, chatting shit, basically. So <laughs> I don't really move a lot in the day. Um, so I have to adjust my food a little bit more. And if you're if you're a postman, obviously, your steps are going to be higher. If you're sat in the car as a, as a sales um, guy, for, like which a few of my guys are, their steps are going to be lower. So what? It's not really a target we want to aim for. What we're looking for is to inc is to increase the uh, the amount that we do. So when I work with a new client, I'll have a ten thousand calorie steps target just on the spreadsheet, just so we've got something to measure. But what we do is after two or three weeks, we can gauge where their steps are. So let's say, for example, working with a guy who's a who's a sales guy and he drives around a lot, does a, does a little bit of activity and his steps for the day are about 4,000, 5,000. We'll, we'll already have constructed a diet based on his calories. So we already know he's going to be a deficit. So if we increase the steps more, if we get the steps up in the day, we know we're going to be increasing the calorie deficit. So we look to increase, say, like, like 10%. So if he's at 4,000 steps a day, we want to be looking to increase to 4,400 steps a day and so on and so on until we get until we get the activity up. If we can do that, we know we've increased NEAT as a percentage of our activity for the day. So our, our actual activity level has gone up. 
But saying if you have like a postman who's doing like twelve thousand steps a day, yeah, well, then he's probably not going to increase his level by ten percent. That's going to be a sizable amount. Yeah. But then again, he's already at a high level, so because of that activity level, you can get away with a bit more food in the day. You can get away with um, well, no cardio because the activity level is already high. Yeah. Um, I've had one client who was um, who he was a site manager in a, in a, in a building site. And he was doing um, 4 a.m. cardio, obviously, and um, then going to work all day, um, coming back from work. Oh, he's eating like low carbs and stuff as well because it's low carbs for the fat loss win. And then he was coming back to the gym training and then doing like half an hour's cardio. And when I looked, and he wasn't losing no weight, and uh, wasn't you know he, he, he was lean, but he wasn't didn't have abs or anything. Yep. And when we looked at what he was doing, he's doing like 25,000 steps in a day like on his site and then he was coming and doing more cardio in the evening and Jeez. and i was like mate that's you know your activity level is high you don't need cardio you know you don't need to be doing you don't need to walk on a treadmill if you've done twenty five thousand steps already Jesus, in a day. no not at all yeah so and he doesn't need to do 4 a.m cardio he doesn't need to do after work cardio so basically to make you sleep yeah exactly yeah maximize your rest so so he he had a he had an hour extra in bed um he he trained and he went home and had his nutrition and went home and uh yeah he um he ripped up really fast because he was overdoing it he was overdoing the the activity um so so steps can be a good indicator of your your baseline activity for the day yeah. And then we can, if it is low, so say if we are, you know, the sales guy in the car all the day, well, then, yeah, you're going to need some cardio there. Probably you're going to be need to be doing some activity in the gym. But if you're already an active person, then we don't need any cardio. Absolutely right. don't. So I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking, do you know what? I quite enjoyed doing the cardio last year, but I'm, I'm considering what I was doing. You know, my, you know, the guy who's training training me and i'd worked with him before mm. um, and it worked from a bodybuilding perspective it got me on stage i went on stage at seven percent body fat and what have you but i did over diet i know i know all my failings back then but i'm looking at what i did last year and i was thinking okay i'm training six days a week in weights i'm doing legs twice twice a week he, he got me from doing 20 minutes cardio four days a week and by the, by by month three i was doing f- I, I 40 minutes cardio six days a week and i was like I think I was being killed <laughs> and maybe yeah. didn't need all of that. Well, yeah. And, and the thing I was is, losing is, a pound a week and that's it. I was like, what's going on? Well, I think the, the, the thing is, is, and, uh, and you know, stop me if I go off on a rant here, because it's one no, of my sort right. of ranty sort of topics, but there, there is a lot of coaches who, who, who literally have no idea about the nuances, about neat levels, about macros, about all, all these things that should be looked at after you create there's so many people will just go uh, and you'll see it on instagram all the time and because it, it's now cool to be like sciencey and using science words yep. but the problem you get is it's so many stupid people are using these science words with no idea about what they're talking about and the big one at the moment is is people almost ridiculing other people for not losing weight because they're not in a calorie deficit and but that's all you see them talk about oh you're not in a calorie deficit you're not in a calorie deficit that's why you're not losing weight and then and then these people are going, yeah, but I, I probably know I'm not in a calorie deficit, but why am I not in a calorie deficit? And potentially what, what's happening here is that, say when you're doing um, your your whatever it was, cardio a day. Yep. When you're, when you're over, and this is what was happening with uh, Nathan, the guy I talked about just now. Yeah. What was happening was because he was doing all this exercise 
and all this activity, the body was fighting back a little bit by slowing down his um, his is um, for want of a better word his metabolism in the day. It's a bit more bit more detailed than that, but for, for for want of easy listening, I'll just say his metabolism was slowing down a little bit. Okay. Because he was doing all this activity and the body was making him rest, uh, tired and he was tr- making almost making trying to fall asleep every day. So although he was quite active, the body was getting quite uh, adept at um, being efficient at what he was doing and yeah. slowing down his activity. So his workouts were just terrible. Just no act, no motivation for his workouts whatsoever. The 40 minutes cardio he was doing with the slowest, rubbishest cardio because the body didn't want to be doing it. When we took all that activity out, so he was just doing his steps in the day plus his weight training. It was now in a position where he wasn't pushing the boat in terms of the activity. And he was it was allowing his body to rest and recover. So there was more of an environment which was conducive to burning body fat and not reducing um, the, his metabolism. So you, you, you can go too far in terms of the pursuance of the calorie deficit. And so many coaches will just put in a ton of cardio as a because they don't know what they don't know what they're doing for want of a better word. And you, you come to them one week and say, and they'll always focus on weight. So you come to them one week, and go, oh, I haven't dropped weight this week. Oh, really? Okay, let's just drop carbs or let's just increase cardio. Mm. They won't be looking at what your steps were. You know, have it has your steps dropped this week? Because if your steps have dropped, that's an indication that your neat levels dropped, which is an indication that potentially the body's slowing you down to, to conserve calories. So if you then drop calories more or increase your output more, the body's going to react by doing even more slowdown. So you know you're in a sort of position there where your body's trying to compensate every time you're slowing it down, every time every time you're sort of um, pushing the boat a little bit more. So although it sounds silly, this is where the oh you're not eating enough to lose weight thing comes in, is, is that you're you're not eating enough calories to support the activity that you're doing. So right. the so the body is trying to shut things down a little bit as a defense mechanism, so you don't waste away into nothing. So getting the right balance of a calorie deficit is is, is really important. So th- and this is why I work with like 500 calorie deficits normally. Yeah, it's not going to give you a massive shift on the scale. You know, I'm I'm not one of those coaches. So yeah, my clients lost five kilos in a day, that sort of thing. It, it that's not what I'm looking for in a, in a client. What I'm looking for is a long term weight weight loss, a long term body composition change, and those things happen from slow and steady drops, slow and steady increments, not the 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 um is the, the biggest loser that sort of thing i don't you know that that's a silly thing to do put someone who's overweight onto massive amounts of exercise with very little food it's just a recipe for disaster yeah no i get that and because it leads really well in because my question was going to be then what happens when you know you're on your calorie deficit you are you know you've you've got your cardio going you've got your weights going nice your your um your, your food intake is good and then you say do you know what i've not lost any more weight or fat or whatever you want to frame it as what's the next step is it then more calorie deficit is it do you reduce food do you do you um, reduce calories because people are saying you know well i've been like you said i've been doing this for x amount weeks now and you know and i've got everything nice and tight because there will be some people out there who will stick to the plan you know not like me and i have a chocolate base to get an ice cream in there and not tell anybody but so Mm. what's the what's the next step is it then a reassessment is it do you start feeding them up again or you know what do you do so so there's a few situations there is and again what i said before about if you monitor something you can see where it's going so when i work with clients i have um they they weigh it themselves every single day in the morning um they 
logged their calories for the day, at least at the beginning of the of the of the work with me. Uh, they log their steps, they log their cardio amounts that they do, and they log their um, training days. Yeah. All this we can is a measure of their activity and obviously their food going in. So we can see potentially where there's where there's a bottleneck, where there's where there's an issue. So if someone is doing, say, training legs, and then they're doing two hours of cardio afterwards on one day, and then the next day their steps are right down, we we, we can see that's happening. We can see the, the the progression. So if you can if you've got all that stuff logged, you can then and and they're not they're not moving on the scales or whatever. You can then say, right, well, why is that happening? Is it because you've done too much in the in the week? A lot of the time, there will be something there which is which is it's sort of blatantly obvious. Like their, you know, their calories are out. They're not they're not um, they're not eating to their calorie levels. They're overeating, but they won't they won't recognise that until they see it on paper in terms of the, the average for the week. Yeah. Um, there'll be times where their their steps slow down and they won't notice it. They'll just they just log their steps every day and we look at the average over the week compared to the previous two or three weeks. Yep. And the steps are down on average. So, you know, so, so all these things are worth looking at. But also the the, the the emphasis that people place on weight as a as a result factor. So and, and obviously Slimming World and Weight Watchers and all that sort of stuff. They you know they have their weekly weigh ins and um and, and all these coaches online that all the it's always the weight that they're that they're um uh their clients have dropped which is the the, the defining uh, factor in their success Where, whereas weight is just a measure of your mass occupied in space you know so i've i've had clients who um and this is uh, mainly women this happens to is that they they will drop minimal amounts of weight but have massive shifts in their body composition okay so one one client at the moment who was um she was working as a, a on an airline so she's flying all around around the world um and over the course of a year uh, and we still work together now uh, over the course of the year she only dropped four kilos and i say only because you know she dropped four kilos but um but her body composition in that in that time she dropped two dress sizes yeah but but if we're looking at the weight drop over a year i mean four kilos that's that's you know that's tiny isn't it when you think about it um but the fact she dropped two dress sizes that's huge and that's the mindset shift that people need. Yeah. So people always measuring, oh, my weight has not dropped this week. Okay. But how do you look in the mirror? How are your clothes fitting? How is your mood? You know, how yes. do you feel about yourself? How confident are you? You know, in, in, in when you're walking down the street, those are the things that should be measured. I mean, weight's just, okay, the weight's not shifted this week. Okay. How do you look? I look better. Okay. Conversation over. That's you the know, thing, isn't it? What's it? What do you look like in the mirror? yeah and and what do you want that to look back at you you know i was you know when i i know that when i get training that my my weight won't shift much unless i'm going for big heavy fat loss but i know that i will look better and actually what will happen is my jeans will be looser (laughs) yeah Uh, and it's um it's quite common for for when i'm working with with, with people that we'll we'll see week to week is a very little shift in terms of the weight um but they're reporting you know that they're they look better in the mirror. Their clothes are not fitting as as, uh, as tightly, and all of a sudden the weight will just drop. So they almost seemingly overnight they'll drop like two or three kilos. Um, and there is a, a sort of a not a scientific but an explanation of this called the whoosh effect, which I, I probably won't go into here. But you, if you, you your listeners can look it up, it's called the whoosh effect, where where you lose a bit of weight, your body holds on to some water weight and some extra weight until it's confident that you actually are dropping that weight and then it'll let it go and then that's why you wake up when you want to die you have nothing for a couple of weeks 
and you wake up one morning, it's like two or three kilos gone. You're like, oh, what? How did that happen? You know, okay. where? What did I do? And all of it, and a lot of the time will be because they've had like a a pizza or something like a big meal the night before, which has just given their metabolism a little bit of a boost and triggered it. And so then the mentality will be, well, I'll have a pizza every night then. That'll help me lose weight. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, oh. there, there is there is lots of factors there, and weight should never ever be the thing that you gauge your success on. If if you if you always gauge weight as your success, here's what you're setting yourself up for. If you imagine your weight, weight as a, as a, as a defining factor, but also no matter what anyone says is how they look in the mirror is, is the ultimate deciding factor of, of uh, if they think they're, they're, they're doing well or not. So you've got weight loss. Yes or no, or weight goals. Yes or no. Or you've got um, body goals. Yes or no. So imagine like a four grid, and top left, you've got, yes, I hit my weight loss goals. And yes, I hit my body goals. So I look the way I want to look. And I'm, I'm the weight I want to weigh. All right. So that's a success, isn't it? 100% success. Yep. Bottom right, you've got, uh, I didn't hit my weight loss goals. And I don't look the way I want to look. So that's no, that's an ultimate failure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the two ends of the spectrum. But if you think about the other corners, you've got, I hit my weight goals. But I look in the mirror and I still don't look the way I want to look. So what does that say? Okay, I've hit my weight loss goals, but I'm still not happy with how I look. And now I realize I've got to lose more weight to get to where I want to be in terms of my physique. So that that might lead you on to more extreme dieting, especially if you've had to really push it to get to that weight anyway. Um, you're going to think, oh, God, I've got all this more dieting to do. And I'm still not happy with how I look. So it might push you into an extreme level of dieting, which then causes you to rebound um, from over-dieting and have a binge and actually gain weight. So you've got that potential scenario. And then the other scenario is, yeah, do you know what? I, I look the way I want to look. This is great. Oh, but I'm not the weight I want to be. Right. And then the theory becomes, hmm, if I look good at this weight what will i look like when i hit my target weight so then they might again have to do more dieting more extreme dieting to get actually to that weight but that getting to that weight actually pushes them into the extreme dieting realm and then they break and they overeat and they actually gain weight so then they're not happy with their body right and and here and this is this is all stemmed from the weight people want to be now here's here's the thing how do you think most people determine what weight they want to be? Go on. I don't know. They pluck it out of thin air. Yeah. It, okay. So so you, you, when you talk to anybody and they go, oh, yeah, I think I need to lose about five kilos without realizing actually how much five kilos is in terms of fat and how that yeah. affects their body shape. And you and you people i i ask a question on my questionnaire when people come in my new clients come in i say you know what you know what would you like to achieve you know what what's what's the thing that is the 11 out of 10 moment for you and more often than not you'll get a weight goal then a, a physique goal um, yeah. and when i ask the client say how, how, you know what what is the what is the weight goal you know sometimes it will be they have to lose weight for an operation or something like that you know then obviously that is a weight goal we have to work to that weight goal um, and when I was working with performance athletes, some people have to make weight for a fight or they have yeah. to make weight. Yeah. So in those situations, yeah, I get it. Weight is important. Outside of those situations, weight is unimportant. And people will just go, they look in the mirror, go, 
Hmm. Mm, I could do with losing six kilos. Yeah, that sounds right. Six kilos. That's good. And then that random figure they just created then becomes the ultimate benchmark of their success. Yeah. But there's no logic in it. There's no research. There's no, right, I want to lose this much weight. And blah, 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 working it out. Yeah, six kilos is right. There's just, oh, six kilos. That sounds like a nice figure. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be lose six kilos. No idea what it's going to take to lose that weight. But then that then becomes, if I don't lose six kilos, I have failed, no matter what happens. That's just not good, is it, mate? Tom, I could speak to you bloody all day, mate, but this could go off like a 24-hour marathon. <laughs> but what and, and what I want to touch on is, because your time is very, very precious, is your book. You mentioned your book at the start. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong, that you're going to cover a lot of this stuff in the book. Um, tell me what the book's about and when's it coming out? Yeah, so Target Lean um, was actually named after one of the programs I run, um, which is one of my online programs. And um, the ages ago when i was first getting into nutrition um there was a lot of this misinformation going around all the stuff that we talked about you know today uh, and other stuff as well and and so i created the target lean program as a sort of a, a a counter to that so like look you know you don't have to do 6 a.m cardio you don't have to not eat carbs after six as long as you calculate your calories allocate them into meal blocks list the foods you like organize them into meals get your habits and routine properly and then increase your activity and then evaluate at the end to then give you the, the give you the result or adjust then if you do all that sort of stuff you can actually lose weight eating foods you like um and that's what the base of the program is built on and then when i started writing the book i thought well you know this is something that everyone can benefit from so i i based the book on what i teach in the program uh, and also some other stuff that um that i've learned since then um and it is basically eat what you want to lose weight you know providing you within your calorie deficit that's i suppose the 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 tdlr version of it or tldr version um it, i just teach people that you don't need to have severe diets you don't need to have all these things in your life that restrict you um i call this sort of situation a prison diet and what what happens is is that people get confused about nutrition they don't know how to diet. So what they do is they then put themselves into this prison. There's a punishment for their sins against their body, which is then restricting food, placing all these things on that they can and can't do. Eventually, that results in a prison break where they binge. They gain loads of weight back and that ends in frustration. So that's like my my three um, problems that people face. And it goes round and round and round. Um, and what I teach is how to have clarity, which is understanding about nutrition, understanding about calories choice so there's always a choice of what they want to do they ne it's never imposed on them they always think about what they want to do and the choice is based on the information and then you have consistency so like we talked about before doing the same thing over and over and over again even if you're doing 80 percent and having the occasional blip if you do all those three things together you'll get the result you want so the book is to take you from the confusion the prison and the frustration to having clarity choice and uh, consistency which is perfect because I was going to ask you, what are your three top takeaways? Yeah. <laughs> so you've absolutely nailed it. When's the book coming out, my friend? It's it's at the um, it's at the editors now. Um, yeah. I had to redo a few things because there was uh, there was one thing in there which would have breached a copyright if I'd released it, so we had to change that. And um, uh, and I've done some artwork for it, so it should be it should be coming back to me for the final read this week. Um, and then I think all being good, we can we can get it out for the first or second week of march it it does depend on a few things but the second week of march is what we're aiming for 
brilliant so when you release the book and you would you be happy to come back on the podcast and tell us how it's going and, and the you know what's what's happened since yeah absolutely you know well that's if i got time you know i might be a million selling author by then i'm you know you will you be have to, you have to sit, uh, speak to my assistant to book me in there speak to your agent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. well mate it's fantastic can i throw a few questions to you that i ask yeah. everybody that comes on the podcast yeah thank you right as it's called tea with steve podcast how do you take your tea I have it uh, black with two sweeteners, and that's something I developed from when I was in Russia uh, on a oh. school exchange. And they always have black tea there. Fantastic! I, I've never that's that's a new one on me because I'm, I'm I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I, honestly, black black tea in Russia is really nice. They have a special type of tea there. I think it's called chai tea or something like that. But yeah. really, really nice, and you can't have milk with it. So I used to have milk in my tea. Went to Russia, and then they said, "Oh, you, you we drink our tea black here." And, and and that's what I've, I've always since then I've had I've had tea black with two sweeteners in. It's really nice, refreshing. Right, I'll look into that. What do you wish you'd known when you first started out? Ooh, as in in business? Yeah, let's go for business because that's what this is going to help people with. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that I, I suppose the the uh, the beauty of having hindsight is that all these things you did wrong you wouldn't do again. Um, but to, to be honest. I, I although I've had some real monumental mess ups, I should say, uh, and things that I've done that I look back and think, oh, I wish I'd not done that. What a stupid thing to do. All those things have have, um, have refined the way I am now. And I think if I hadn't done stupid diets when I was a bodybuilder, if I hadn't hired people who were complete muppets when I owned the gym, if I hadn't done silly things with my nutrition in order to try and get clients. If I hadn't done all those things, I wouldn't be, I suppose, the more rounded businessman and more ethical businessman that I am now. So I don't think I would change anything, although maybe if I started out with a bit more money, that would have been nicer. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm really, really grateful that you shared that because there'll be a lot of people who wouldn't share some, you know, that they've made mistakes or that they've gone into wrong partnerships or whatever it might be. Um, mm. So I'm very grateful that you shared that. Thank you. What are you curious about right now? Hmm. That's the, do you know what? The, the thing I want to really learn more about at the moment is the behavioral psychology um, side of, of people. I, I do read a lot of books about behavioral psychology because a lot of it relates to what I do and how, how people I work with behave when they're faced with you know, situations. That is the thing I really am looking to develop my knowledge more is about the, the behavioral aspect of uh, which which drives people's emotions and and behavior in terms of nutrition i think one that sort of thing is going to be the thing that drives successful nutritionists in the future because now we've got all these calculators online and everything else it's very easy to manage your nutrition yourself if you can work a mobile phone if you can spend five minutes working out your calories it's actually quite easy to make a diet yourself using things like my fitness pal and that but the issue is and this is where the, the calorie deficit guru guys on instagram fall down is that they just say oh you're gonna be calorie deficit that's you know that's easy that's why you're not losing weight but then okay let's let's take that another way what if i went to a business coach and said mate can you help me can you help me with my business because i want to you know, earn more money and, and stuff like that. I don't want to have a big business. And they said, mate, do you know what you need to do to improve, improve your business? You need to sell more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, well, yeah, I know that, mate. 
how do I sell more stuff? How do I get myself? How do I market myself? How do I do all these little nuances things? You know, and all if you went to a, went to a, if you're an alcoholic and you went to a, a, a counselor and they said, mate, do you want to stop being alcoholic? Just don't drink alcohol. Is that right? And you go, oh, mate, I wish I thought about that. I wish I thought about <laughs> not drinking alcohol to stop being alcoholic. And, it, the, and then people just go, oh, the reason you're not losing weight is because you're not in a calorie deficit. Well, well, yeah, thanks. Because actually, I do understand that I should eat less. I do understand that. I just want to know how I can stop eating less when someone chucks a bunch of hobnobs in front of me. You know? Or how I can stop eating less when the kids have been all over me all night. I haven't got any food and the takeaway is calling. Yeah. How do I eat less then? And these Instagram guys go, oh, you just don't want it enough, mate. You know, you just don't want to, you just don't want it nutritionally. You just don't, you just don't want the body enough. And, and it's always those people who are the people who are complaining about that they've got no clients or, you know, or they've got the wrong clients. Um, right. And they don't understand behavior. And if you understand behavior and you understand how people change their normal, rational behavior um, to be something completely stupid with food, if you can understand that and work with clients for that, that will be the, the person who gets the most changes and most life changing uh, results out of their clients. And that's that's the person I want to be awesome what are you reading right now since we talked about books uh i got actually a book um uh, by uh satner who's on the kpi program it's um yeah it's on the shelf it's uh it's called let's get visible uh by satner piero and it's uh, it's about branding um so I've, i'm sort of midway through that so uh, i can't give a full book review on it yes but it, it is very good awesome awesome and is there anything i should have asked you but i haven't um no do you know what i think you 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 skipped over the more embarrassing questions quite well so i'll leave it like that (laughs) all right mate tom it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast my friend where can everybody find you online uh i suppose the the easiest way to find me is on instagram um it's tom blackman underscore nutrition I'm on Instagram a fair bit because I post up my videos and the sort of infographics and stuff there. I am on LinkedIn. It's I think it's Tom Blackman Nutrition on on LinkedIn, and I'm on Twitter as well. But I don't really go on Twitter that much. Um, I don't really go on LinkedIn that much either because I tend to get spammed by people who want to like enhance my business chi or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so Instagram mainly. Um, I am on Facebook, but I don't generally tend to add people on Facebook as a friend um, unless I know you in some respect. But you can follow my um my site which is bkm nutrition that's on uh, the facebook uh, page so you can follow that one if you want mate it's been an absolute pleasure i'm really looking forward to this book and um again thank you ever so much for all the value you've brought to my audience thanks mate oh quickly Go calorie calculator because people yes. are gonna ask it yeah so if you want the calorie calculator bkmnutrition.com forward slash calculator and you can work out your calories and stuff there it's not i don't take an email address and stuff you, you can actually join my email list on there but i don't take your email address from it it's free you can that you can get your, your data and then work out your calories yourself brilliant mate thank you ever so much you've been an absolute pleasure and a gentleman i've thoroughly enjoyed it i've learned loads thanks a lot for having me on no worries mate take care now bye bye thanks bye bye well everybody i would love to know how you found that episode of the podcast it was completely different from all of the other episodes that we've had and all of the different guests tom is an absolute mind of knowledge what he doesn't know really isn't worth learning or even understanding about 
fitness and nutrition and health and how to bring that into a modern entrepreneur's lifestyle. Um, As I said straight at the beginning of the podcast, as soon as I had that interview with Tom, I was so fired up. I literally just went to his website, checked out the calorie counter, got on there, realized that I need about 2,200 calories for maintenance. My calorie deficit was reducing that by 400. I added some cardio in there. I've started to lose weight this last week. Um, I hit the gym, um, so I've been doing boxing. I've started my weights again. My diet's a bit cleaner. I can still eat out because I'm just literally having five or 600 calorie meals or I'm just doubling up and have a 1,000 calorie bigger meal. It's really not hard to implement. You know, you can eat out without all of the fuss. Um, So like I said right at the start as well, um, Tom has provided us with a complete web page for you to go to so you can try out some workouts, you can try his calorie counter, and if you want to have any one-to-one contact with Tom, you are more than welcome to. My friends, all I would want you to do is just let me know how you're getting on. Use the hashtag T with Steve or grab me at Mr. Steve Thompson on all the social media platforms or come and join the Facebook group T with Steve and we can have conversations there and we can inspire all the other guys that are in the Facebook group because remember if we don't look after ourselves we can't look after all of those around us if we are not fit and healthy how on earth can we run the business of us so my friends listen to this podcast again take some action take plenty of notes reach out to tom come ask me some questions let's get you fit and healthy and smashing all of your entrepreneurial goals for 2020 So my friends, remember to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your Instagram stories and your tweets at Mr. Steve Thompson. And don't forget to use the hashtag TeaWithSteve. Also, let me know where you're tuning in from. We want to know how far across this planet we are impacting a billion lives. And let me know how this episode has had an impact on you. If you haven't already, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave me a rating and review on iTunes because it really does help us to reach more people so we can help them build their heart brand and build the business of them. Enjoy the rest of your week. It is full of opportunities. Remember, be authentic, have an impact and continue to grow. Take care, my friends. I'll see you on the next episode.